Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Hub Systems Podcast, the voice of Man's Model Moments, the blog of the various ramblings on the modelling and gaming antics of my son and I. My name is Alex Mann, and with me as always is my son, Oscar. Hello. This week, we are also lucky enough to have a special guest with us, Dan Bird from Slayer Games in the UK. Hello. So, before we start, perhaps you can just introduce yourself, Dan. Give us your uh, your little condensed gamer bio for us. Well then, guys, I've been playing games for around... Actually, quite. I was quite late into gaming, probably about from when I was about 17, so what's that, about 12 years now? Uh, it's giving away my age. <laughs> You're only a young one. I'm only a young one. (laughs) (laughs) I started with, believe it or not, Lord of the Rings from Games Workshop. Had a bit of a break, got back into 40k, Flames of War, and then ended up finding out about Spartan Games, and ever since then they've kind of been my main system, so to speak. So yeah, uh, I manage a store in in Nottinghamshire, which is good fun at times. (laughs) It can be quite challenging, (laughs) but uh, overall it's all good. So yeah, uh, that's myself. (laughs) Excellent. So in this episode, we'll be covering the Spartan Games product, Planetfall, which is quite timely as it was just the beginning of the week that new helixes were announced for the game. Uh, So we can talk about that a little bit later on. Now, I know Dan is also a big Planetfall uh, aficionado with a lot of experience, so he'll be able to give us some some valuable insights and some pointers through the the podcast, I'm sure. First, though, we're going to have a little look about uh, what we've been doing over the past week. So, Oscar, what have you been up to? Well, uh, relaxing mostly, because uh, it is the start of the half term, thank God. Because school's been pretty hard at the moment, because, you know, as I've been mentioning, I'm just moaning about being in year 11 a lot, so it's nice to relax and play a bit of PS4, you know, and get down to painting some Cult of Cthulhu models, actually. And doing some gardening. I am doing gardening <laughs> for some money, saving up for a computer. Yeah, this is your, your build-your-own-PC project, isn't it? it? It is, actually, yeah. It's it's good fun. So that'll be interesting. I'm interested to see where that, that'll end up. It's, it's good, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so how about you, Dan? What have you been up to in the past uh, past little while? Uh, lots of lots of painting. I've uh, got back into my stride again. I think everybody goes through peaks and troughs with painting. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, so I finished off my second Hyperion Leviathan. Planetfall. Uh, uh, not parent. So that's the Dindrenzi one. <laughs> that, that's good. That's what we like to see. Did you say second? <laughs> yeah. No, that's you not can good. Never, <laughs> you can never have too many Leviathans, mate. So I've been, I've just made the last three players for my Guild Ball team, uh, which is like a little fantasy football game. It's really cool. Really nice models as well. Huh. Never played that. So yeah, so obviously at the shop, I do a lot of hobbying in the shop as well. So I've played Halo this week, Halo Fleet Bowers, and lots of card games. Uh, Game of Thrones, uh, Lord of the Rings, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, yeah, lots of gaming. <laughs> good stuff. That's always good to hear. Quite a few I've not played myself there. We'll have to get you on again as well, Dan. Uh, get you on about playing uh, Halo on a future episode. So, that's for myself. I've been doing a little bit of painting, uh, but it's been pretty quiet, actually. I've been doing a lot of uh, stuff with work, various meetings. So mainly getting Cthulhu Wars stuff primed, um, ready for a bit of painting. Uh, did have a go at a cultist just to get a bit of paint on, see how that's going to look. And I'd say they're looking pretty good. And now we've got the primer on the big models as well. It really brings out the detail on them. Because one of the things I wasn't really keen on on the Cthulhu Wars figures, and I know the reason why, 
you know, because they're cast in all their individual colours, so that if you're not a gamer, you can just get into the game straight away. Uh, you've got the red, the yellow, the blue, and the green factions. But for me, it did make them look a bit toy-like. Whereas getting primer on them, uh, they look like proper figures, proper models. Um, and it'd be good to actually get the paint. It really kind of brings out the detail there. So been doing a little bit of Elite on uh, Xbox One as well. And that's about it. So with that, I think we can get back into the main subject of the day, which is Spartan Games Planetfall. Now, Planetfall is the 10mm ground combat game, which is set in the same universe as Firestorm Armada. So, how would you describe the game, Oscar? What sort of a game is Planetfall? Okay, so everyone knows that Firestorm Armada is set amongst the stars. So you've got your battleships and your cruisers, and in Planetfall you've got your tanks and your ground troops and everything. So uh, I'd describe it as very fast-paced, brutal, and stuff gets killed quickly. So it's the polar opposite of Firestorm. So some people say it goes on too long, so... uh, so it's a nice change from Firestorm Armada. Okay. How about you, Dan? What's your take on it? That's a, that, that's a very good very good explanation there, that one, Oscar. Uh, I pretty much agree with everything there. It's, uh, it's definitely more fast-paced, as in units die a lot quicker. And the games end a lot quicker at the moment. Games tend to last till turn three, very rarely turn four, whereas Firestorm can go on generally turn six, turn seven. Uh, that takes a little bit of getting used to, and we're, I think it's still getting ironed out, that side of things, but uh, it's, uh, no, it's brilliant, yeah. but it's good. <laughs> I would tend to agree with you both as well. I think that um, Firestorm, even if you say you have equivalency in terms, if you play to turn four, you'll still find, I think, you're playing about twice as long as the game of Planetfall. Yeah. Because especially after turn one, once you've got your deployment out... With Firestorm Armada, the first turn is really just positioning. You know, not, not a lot dies. Yeah. Turns two and three, then you can get quite a lot going on. There's quite a lot of nuance. Yeah. Uh, it's quite a meaty game, isn't it? Uh, whereas Planetfall, stuff dies from the start. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've had heavy tanks that never even fired a shot. <laughs> they just, they just, before they got a chance to do anything, they just exploded. Okay, so perhaps we can talk a little bit then more about the gameplay uh, in terms of how it plays, some of the mechanics of it. Take it away, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> so, the gameplay. Well, so on average, what should we start with? Basic. Well, the, we'll start with the, the D6 mechanics. As with most Spartan games, I think every Spartan game, they use exploding dice, which is basically if you roll a six, it counts as two hits, and you get to re-roll another dice, or die. <laughs> These alter, depending on what you're shooting at. For example, if you're shooting at a cloaked unit, it becomes a blue D6, which is counts as two hits, but you don't re-roll. And then you have basic D6, which is obviously uh, what it says. <laughs> you don't get no re-rolls. <laughs> it don't count as any uh, double hits or anything. Uh, so that's the basic dice mechanics. Uh, what I like about it is that it's, it's very easy to get into. Everything hits on a four to start with. And there's only a modifier, one number on each side. So the lowest is a three, the highest is a five, sometimes six. That's that. I think that's the, the key of the game. Well, all five, all Spartan games, really. And we should mention as well, right at the beginning, that Planetfall, much like a lot of Spartan games, in fact, I think probably all of them, I've not 
played Uncharted Seas for a while, so I could be wrong. But they're alternating activation games. Yes, yeah, massive. Absolutely massive, that is. I think that was probably the biggest difference that I noticed when we came to Firestorm from 40k, was in, instead of one person's turn and yeah. they move absolutely everything, and you know the other guy sometimes doesn't get a chance <laughs> to do anything, but now you've just got a squadron or, or a single ship, and then it's the other guys, so... Yeah. Well, that's one thing I like, because when playing 40k, uh, it, the games would drag on and they'd be really boring, because you're moving hundreds <laughs> of models at a time. Especially when you're playing yeah. Orcs. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm just going to have a cup of tea and watch that program I missed last <laughs> night while you finish your movement, uh, and then call me when something cool starts to die. <laughs> well, you, had, you had the opposite, where uh, somebody would go first and just annihilate your best units and that was it <laughs> i was going to move my terminators but they don't exist anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think what i've noticed as well alec a lot more systems newer systems are using alternating activations as well yeah i think they've become the norm haven't they really now yeah. and it's a lot more tactical in my opinion anyway so yeah i, I love alternating activations <laughs> yeah i agree okay and i think one of the differences between firestorm armada and planet four is you don't have a DR and a CR rating as you do in uh, Armada and, and Hell Points. You just have different DR levels. Perhaps you can explain that a little bit, Dan. So, for example, in Firestorm, uh, a cruiser would have four, four, four points. Let's say a damage rating of four and a crit rating of eight. So, a, well, a Dindrenzi cruiser, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in Planetfall, let's take a medium tank, for example, a Heimdall, it's got three damage levels, so uh, uh, two damage levels, sorry, uh, six and six. So basically what that means is that the opponent needs to get six hits to cause the first point of damage, and then another six hits to cause the second point of damage. It's a nice system. It, it is nice. It, it's, it's very different to the Firestorm one. It's, it's almost combining the yeah. DR, CR, and yeah. hull points in a single metric, isn't it? Yeah, I like the Firestorm for the ships. It feels like the ships are beefy. It feels like they can take punishment and it opens up critical tables so you can have systems go down. Whereas in Planet 4, they've made it a lot more streamlined and it works for the ground combat. And it, it works, works really well for that. So yeah, so that's basic, the basics of the of DR levels. <laughs> and I think one of the things with, uh, with Planet 4 that does make it flow very quickly it's the movement. And so Firestorm, I think some people find the movement takes a little while, especially if you're moving multiple, um, say, frigates or cruisers, depending on how much of a stickler you are, I guess. But uh, yeah. for example, <laughs> because I, I must admit I've not found a problem with it myself, but I know some people have commented on it. Whereas Planetfall, <laughs> it's quite a lot different, isn't it? Yeah, movement is it's measured from front of the base to uh, front of base. So... A tank, a, a slow tank would move six inches, so you just measure from the front to the front. Certain units have a rule called lumbering, so it's basically it's basically a cruiser in Firestorm. It's a one-inch turn limit. It has to move an inch forward, then it can turn, which just, it's not... It's not commonplace in, in Planet 4. Not every unit's got it. So movement is a lot more straightforward in, in Planet 4. Yeah, because effectively you've got a 360 yeah. uh, turn limit, yeah. haven't you, effectively? Yeah. So very easy to just move your... If you've got 
six inch movement, you know, you could just move them six inches and position them facing yeah. a big Hyperion <laughs> Leviathan exactly. you just put down. It's really easy. It's, you don't have to worry about sort of skirting around the corner in a laborious <laughs> way and your opponent arguing that you've not quite got enough turn limit and all that kind of stuff. So I think it does really simplify that element of the game. So you're not thinking too much about the the precise mechanics, uh, minutiae of how you're moving, you're really focusing on what am I doing with this unit, which is really what you want to do. You you don't want to be caught up in the mechanics of a game. You want to be swept along with the feel of it. Like I was just going to say, generally the turning rules don't even apply because once you've moved forward, there's generally something there that you can kill. Yeah. Whatever we've played, (laughs) I don't know if that's an exception for everyone else. And the other thing I think that's slightly different from a lot of games out there is most games are move, then you shoot, and then maybe there's some sort of assault phase. Planet 4 flips that a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, you've got a CQB phase, which shouldn't be mistaken for literally going up and hitting them with a sword. <laughs> it's a, it's more along the lines of self-defense weapons or like defense lasers, defense arrays, that kind of, that kind of thing. So you can, you can move up, and if you're within four inches of an enemy, you can you can initiate the CQB, which is very potent against certain races because it ignores shields, it ignores hard target, and then you can shoot at either that target or some another target. So you, you, it gives you a lot of choice, gives you a lot of fle- flexibility for killing stuff, which is good. <laughs> yeah. And I do think it puts a slightly different tactical nuance on, yeah. the, on the things as well. And you're right, it, it is meant to be CQB, cl- stands for Close Quarters Battle. It's actually an old British army term, I believe, just for those transatlantic and intercontinental friends of ours who may not be <laughs> f- familiar with CQB as a phrase. Yeah, but it is, you know, all those guys with assault rifles and uh, smoke grenade launchers and laser grids and all that kind of stuff. So short-range weaponry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's another example is that infantry in Planet Four. They're basically, well, their basic weapons loadout is just CQB weapons, so they have to get really close and stuck in. <laughs> Which is, it's it's a little bit controversial. In in some some people have brought up the aspect of why can flyers get CQB, etc. But it's, it, it's not a simulator. It's it's more to do with balance, I think, than to keep it, the game fun. Yeah, you see, for me, I'm actually okay with that. Because if you think of these things as, you know, in the far future, we're talking the 32nd, 33rd century, you know, a basic trooper's assault rifle. If you imagine a Dendrensi trooper's rifle being a hyper-velocity rail slug thrower, um, you know, it's probably capable of bringing down an aircraft. And though the aircraft probably has some fairly sophisticated defense measures, but you get a whole bunch of troopers firing those high-velocity rail slugs, you might hit something. So I think it's quite valid to have that, actually. Uh, and that's CQB affecting everything from that side of things. Just to sort of contrast that view as well, what's the point of really having the games if you can't bend the rules a little bit? I mean, people just need to loosen up a little bit at times, just putting it out there. Okay, so you have your movement, you've got your CQB... Then you get firing. So, again, it's a little bit simpler than some other games out there. You have weapon range bands, which are effectively long range and effective range. So you've just got the two bands, which makes it makes it quite easy. And then you've got a whole <laughs> load of attack dice. <laughs> 
I think in common with a lot of Spartan games, you get to roll big fistfuls of dice. Um, and then you get some weapon miles on top of those, which then you know do some special things. So I think you mentioned before, Dan, firing a cyber warfare yeah. tank, which is cloaked. So that modifies how the how the dice behave. Not the number of dice you're rolling, like it does in Firestorm, but um, how much they're hitting. If I'm attacking a, a Terran tank within effective range, for instance, the kinetic mar means that... Uh, Dan won't get to roll exploding sixes on his shields, which is a good. Which is very nice. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> yes, and uh, yeah, I came up with that as well. Um, now, <laughs> so I think uh, a lot of the the mechanics in the game are you know those very intuitive, quite simple, quite flowing things. Yeah. So mm. The actual pace of the game, just from the mechanics point of view, is quite quite fast. So we mentioned taking about three turns on the outside four turns how long does that translate to in in physical time uh, i mean if you're playing around four thousand points just if, if you've just started the game obviously it will take longer you're probably looking at two and a half maybe three hours just because that's that's the nature of tabletop games when you've just started but yeah. i mean for example myself and one of the guys at the shop we can do 4,000 points in about one hour 45 now, yeah. easily under the two-hour mark. But we do like to play 6,000 points a lot, where I feel the game really shines at, so that you're looking at about two and a half for that, which is like your average kind of tabletop game time length, really. Yeah. So it's, it's enough to get stuck into. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say with the, with the sort of starting force, uh, I mean, we've played at sort of that sort of level. Yeah, like and. I, you know, we've experienced games that actually it takes longer to set up the board than it does to actually play. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Because you don't, you know, you just don't have, because the units don't have that durability in terms of longevity on the tabletop. Every, everything is lethal. So, yeah, you kind of set up starting force. You'll kill a lot of stuff very quickly, you know, which is which is fun and it gives you that incentive then to like, like that was good. What do I need now to build that to actually last a bit longer? So you mentioned um, four thousand points there, Dan. What does four thousand points buy you in in Planet Four? In Planet Four, I mean, I played last week with my Terrans at four thousand points. I had a core helix which I maxed out so i had like two of the heavy tanks in a squad together uh, two squadrons of medium tanks one squadron of light tanks and two sticks of infantry i had a interceptor aerial helix that was maxed out wanted to try that really cool really nice a recon helix and a heavy helix so quite a bit on the board obviously if you move up to six thousand then you, you can add quite a lot more on top of that. But yeah, so so you're looking at about about that roughly, the 4,000 points. So that's a, you know, a fair number of models there on the table yeah, top. Yeah, yeah. It gives you, there's enough on the board to make a difference if you lose something, you, there's, if you know what I mean. Well, I think it's the matter of, you know, I mentioned the, the starter games. You know, if you're playing with a starter force, yeah, you lose some stuff, although everything's lethal, <laughs> it, it matters because that might be a third of your force. And mm. you know, any army that just loses a third of its force isn't going to do that well. <laughs> so games do tend to cascade pretty rapidly, I think, at the, at the lower points levels. So, yeah, I think the bigger ones, it does, it does allow you that um, little bit of, of ablation on your force yeah. and you're still able to mount uh, you know, your counterattacks and so on. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. One thing that we found was important was deployment is so much part of the game more than most other games that I've played. Because of our short-term 
the game is in number of turns and how stuff dies so fast. We found we we found that our deployment is taking a really that that that's a massive part of the actual strategy behind the game. Get, getting your stuff in the right position to start with. <laughs> yeah, and there are some restrictions, aren't there? You know, in terms of deploying, you have to deploy in helixes. Yep, yep, that's correct. Yep, yep. And within command range of your command vehicles, right? Mm. Yeah, uh, as long as one model is within the uh, distance of the on, on the command, whatever the command range is, most of twelve or eight inches at the moment. And I think the other part as well that comes immediately after deployment is, of course, your recon phase, which yes. uh, again we found is quite an important part because definitely in terms of board control and a lot of. For me, I think a lot of Planetfall is board control. It's yeah. because you have objectives. You can earn quite a lot of of. It's not battle log. I mustn't use battle log. I always do that. <laughs> zero hour. Zero hour tracker. Zero hour tracker. That's it. Your, your reverse battle log. Reverse uh, battle log yeah. <laughs> yeah, you you can generate quite a lot of of um, your Planetfall points. Actually, you know, just holding the right objectives and controlling the right areas of the battlefield. The recon phase really allows you to do that. So. Perhaps you can explain that for, for listeners. So the recon phase takes place after you've deployed, but before your main movement phase. So the commanders will do a, they have to do a roll-off, probably one of the most important roll-offs in the game. <laughs> and then there are certain units with the recon specialist role who get to make an immediate flat-out movement. That's quite an important part, is that it is actually a flat-out movement and not a normal movement. The difference being is obviously uh, a normal movement is, for example, 0 to 12. A flat out would be 12 to 16, but you have to go in a straight line, which is quite, again, that is quite an important important part. The biggest restriction, which has come under a little bit of scrutiny on the forums, is the 16-inch no-go zone. So, for example, whoever gets the first turn in a recon move can effectively block out the opponent from doing their recon moves which is quite it's quite a powerful part of the game (laughs) that's roughly what it is (laughs) yeah and even though that's quite a powerful sort of blocking technique that we found as well you have to still be careful with that it's not kind of an auto auto win because your recon elements are fairly fragile (laughs) (laughs) so you charge them up the board to take something and it, that can win you. That can win you the game. You know, it can get you enough points if you yeah. hold the right objective for long enough yeah. that your zero-hour tracker counts down fast enough. <laughs> or you can put yourself in a really exposed position, as I did with those recon buggies, and then Aquin's little tank shred them to pieces. <laughs> and then and... the end, no TV for you, and give them all to the opponent. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's interesting because the, the the recon units well are generally light tanks, and for our how easy they are to kill, they give away a lot of tactical points. So again, yeah. it's it's quite a sacrifice. You've got to be quite cautious, but aggressive at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about points. We've talked a little bit about some of the base mechanics. For people who want to get into the game, how much is it going to cost them? Uh, and I think you should answer that, Dan, seeing as you're, uh, you're from a retail <laughs> background. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If I can remember off the top of my head, it's a long time since I bought the core set. <laughs> the core box. There is a two-player starter oh, yep, uh, a battle set, box, yep. uh, yeah. which is the Battle for Proteus Prime. Uh, that features the, the Aquans and the Directorate, the Noble Directorate trying to expunge the fishy, <laughs> fishy Aquans. <laughs> 
Well, okay, maybe I've put a slight spin on that. It's all these years in, in corporate uh, corporate roles. You know. <laughs> so uh, it's got quite a good collection of vehicles. You basically get half a core helix uh, each, and it gives you some little scenario missions to, to go through, and encounters and some buildings and all that kind of stuff. Everything it, you need. It's a very full box. Yeah, very much. Uh, so that's going to be about £72 uh, sterling. Uh, with that, that'll be 10% off. And that's, what, about $111, I think. <laughs> I think it might be about that, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, certainly you can buy it online from, from places like the War Store in the US uh, for about $112, $112. So that, that's kind of, I think, again, it, we're seeing it with a lot of games from smaller manufacturers. You have these two-player sets, which are set around that kind of 100 to $150 mark that give you everything you need to get into a game for two people which is a pretty good point of entry i think it is because it's not like they're exactly saying like oh here's the minimum amount i mean they're not holding back on the amount of that you get in there you get yeah. a decent amount yeah i mean the the battle for proteus prime box is really full <laughs> there isn't much room it's a bit like those vacuum packed tents that you know once you take <laughs> them out once they just never go back never in go the... back. oh <laughs> please don't tell in me. fact when we took our first tent out that nine men thing we had we actually got it back into two bags the same size as the one it came in <laughs> it wouldn't Absolutely. go any smaller <laughs> and that's why we don't go camping <laughs> <laughs> no we don't go camping for many reasons <laughs> That's that's the most minor one of them. <laughs> I could mention weather, temperature, comfort, all of those things. But uh, there's basically nothing about a camping holiday that couldn't be improved by the addition of a hotel, in my opinion. <laughs> anyway, we digress a little. Okay, so in terms of how the factions play, we have obviously the six core factions, the same as we yep. do in Firestorm Armada. Yep. Uh, we also have some of the, the Alliance races as well. Yep. Now, we don't want to go through all of the Alliance races and how they play, because they're really partial factions that go and add on to the others. They give other abilities and different nuance. Uh, but in terms of the way the main factions play, perhaps we could just skip through some of those and give a general general idea of how they play and how that's similar or different to their, their Firestorm equivalents. So, Dan, as you're a, a, a Terran player of <laughs> sorts, perhaps you could take us through the Terrans. How do the Terrans play? <laughs> Are they as cowardly as oh, when they fight in space? <laughs> no, no, we're, we're absolutely opposite in, uh, in Planet 4. <laughs> we just charge forward. <laughs> no, uh, no hiding behind planets? <laughs> No, Terrans in Planetfall are very much they're the archetypal human faction. They use quite old technology in comparison to the other races and rely on lots of shields and technology that boosts shields. For example, they can have like little attachments to units that gives them more shields, which is quite cool. But yeah, very slow at the moment, very slow ground forces, which it can be annoying sometimes <laughs> when you just can't get there fast. <laughs> Well, that's quite similar to the Firestorm Terrans, in a, in a way. They, they can be quite slow yeah. and rely on shields. So they, they, they're quite, they've got them fairly similar-ish. It's quite cool. So, yeah, that's, that's Terrans. <laughs> slow, keep lots of shields. Get slow close, shields and, lots. <laughs> and dirty nukes. <laughs> yeah, lots of nukes. <laughs> okay. And then, Oscar, we're going to come on to the Aquans. The Aquans. Well... Actually, the Aquans are they've got some of the features. They've got their shields, not as much as the Terrans, but they do have the shields, they're speedy. Uh but they are speedy. they're definitely speedy. 
they're f- much more aggressive, actually, in this, I would say. They've got yeah. very long-range weapons. As far as I tell, I don't play Planetfall as much as we should, really. But um, they are very dangerous when I've, whenever I've used them. Yeah, I, having faced them, the Aquans are... You can't get things wrong when playing the Aquins, I feel. They've got a lot of tricks. Are you saying that I've got no strategic knowledge, Dad? No, no, not at all. I'm just saying that <laughs> I'm a master of strategy to beat you. That's I have all. to live with this man. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Aquins are, you know, they've got all sorts of tricks, haven't they? They've, they do with their own. They've got um, their bending lasers around corners thing, which is obviously very useful. copied in, uh, in Firestorm as well. Like you say, they've got their hard shells, they've got sectored armor until they're damaged. They've, they've got lots of, of nice little tricks, and they do they play do. quite similarly. All hover tanks as well, which is quite, yeah. quite a big... Uh, give, gives a bonus to uh, defense against long-range weapons, so it's you're a little bit harder to hit at long range, which is cool. Which, again, is quite similar to the sort of difficult and elusive target options in, in yes. Firestorm. So they do have that kind of slippery, uh, fish. <laughs> fast striking, lots of lasers kind of kind of feel. Okay, and then we have the Cerulean's. Oh, God, they're slow. Some <laughs> yeah. of their things are slow. But it's quite unlike, and I think the civilians are actually one of the one of the forces that play quite differently from their yes. their Firestorm races. Definitely. Because civilians are the master of artillery, and they don't need to be fast, right? They, they don't. They have this extremely long-range artillery uh, fire and weapons that are better at long-range rather than effective range. One thing the civilians have is their heavy infantry. Oh, yeah. Which they're as good as light tanks, even better, I'd say. Actually. Yeah, I have destroyed medium tank squadrons with those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're pretty devastating. <laughs> which, which is why I try to kill them before they get into <laughs> into any sort of CQB range, like that light skiff that was carrying load, and I just blew it up. Oh but, yeah, all of them <laughs> gone. <laughs> yeah, so the civilians are are quite quite different. I feel from from Firestorm. I, I think. I mean, there is, there is a couple of Cerulean units what do epitomise Cerulean's in fire. So their medium walkers have only got a really short range, but like a really massive output of fire. Yeah. And they've kept the Scatamar, which is very similar. I think it's pretty much the same as Firestorm, actually. Ignores a difficult target mar. So even Cerulean tanks can uh, shoot against recon tanks or infantry without any penalty, which is really good. Not for the opponent. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> No, you're right. They do. They have preserved some of the the feel uh, to the Cerulean's without necessarily replicating the exact play. I yeah. think that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. I think one of yeah, the, the, like they say, they've kept the speed the same. Like when I played Cerulean's, I uh, didn't get to use my heavy walker because I placed him quite far away because I thought his weapons was <laughs> quite long and I didn't get him Not into quite a, as long into as range you <laughs> throughout the whole game. <laughs> and then my spiders came and chopped him to pieces. Oh my god, <laughs> they're Ralphos. Um, Okay, so let's move on to the uh, to the superior races of the Zenian League, <coughs> and uh, and start with the Dindrenzi. Now, <laughs> I know Dan, you are you mentioned the Hyperion, so you're a, a Dindrenzi player as well. I am, I am, I am a, a Dindrenzi player, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and I, of course, uh, love the the Zenian League. So, um, so yeah, I've got my my Dindrenzi helixes. Nicely painted in late World War Two German camouflage ambush scheme, and they are, I would say, a real mix of how they play in Firestorm with a little bit of difference. Because unlike in Firestorm, where the Dendrensi, it's the Dendrensi play a bit like the the shopping trolley that you get, which has the bits 
you know, the one wheel which is stuck and it takes you, you know, it's got this forward momentum and you put a few things in your trolley and trying to turn it around at the end of the aisle is just a nightmare. Um, <laughs> in Planetfall, they don't really play like that. Uh, they have the hit and run mark, which means they can fire and then move. So they're a lot more sneaky. They've got some decent movement. They use hover vehicles, so they're a lot more maneuverable. But they still have the long-range kinetic guns. Tell uh, me about it. Kinetic guns, which make shields less effective the closer you get to them. But, of course, you do need to get close, which is one of the things that in Genzi typically don't like doing. So there is this kind of push-me-pull-me kind of thing with the, the Dinjenzi. Um, how, how do you feel about the Dindrenzi? What, what's your take on them, then? I think Dindrenzi are they are the masters of like exposing a weak spot in the battle line, so they can they've got high maneuverability, and then they can use that to really punish one particular unit. They can all almost essentially gang up on a unit, and then obviously they rely a lot on dropped units, that uh, sky drops with their infantry coming drop pods, which are devastating. <laughs> They can sky drop their Leviathans. What else can they sky drop? They've got recon like gun emplacements that they can drop in. So, most things, isn't it, really? <laughs> most things, yeah. They are like the, the, the masters of the sky drop, which is it's a very, very powerful mechanic. Yeah, and one we actually forgot to mention before. So the, the um the sky drop mechanic is basically you get you have various models in your army that have the the sky drop mar, which enable you to designate points on the board for orbital drop of various assets and various everybody has some form of either a sky drop or an artillery marker but the dindrenzi do have an awful lot of them uh, the aquans do have some they can drop their little redirection crystals from orbit uh, they can drop some anti-air defenses but the dindrenzi as dan said can drop almost everything i mean the medium <laughs> and heavy tanks are kind of the exception but they can drop light tanks if you've got yep. the hyperion yeah, they can drop infantry they can drop artillery you've got this vast array of stuff so you just nowhere is safe on the battlefield plus the units that don't have sky drop are very maneuverable and quite fast so you're right i think um there are really i always think of the cataphract in in firestorm armada and actually the the cataphract name comes from this this heavy horse unit and they are kind of like that they're this very flexible easily redeployable force with a yeah. lot of firepower yeah it's interesting what's not to like <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that they're not they're not the greatest in a prolonged battle they they suffer quite badly from attrition because uh, they have no shields whatsoever like in firestorm yep. so it, it's quite a nice interesting battle when they play against the curac races who are, who can sometimes they prefer to drag the battle out, whereas Dindrenzi like to get get in, stuck in, and then get back out. <laughs> and if they don't, they get shot. <laughs> Which actually is, is really similar to the way that Dindrenzi almost should be played in Firestorm. Yes. So in Firestorm, the ships of the Dindrenzi do have very high crit ratings, but you know, as we all know, those who have played Dindrenzi or played against them, it's the attritional battle that the Dindrenzi can't win. They've got very low DR values in yeah. Firestorm. So it's easy to plink them to death. You know, they're death by a thousand cuts. And I think Planet 4 sort of reflects that in a different way with the Dindrenzi uh, here. You are absolutely right in that they, they want to, to storm in, kill stuff, and then pull back before the, the Counter-Strike comes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Then we have the Directorate. <laughs> now here we go my my first not first true love but i am drawn to the directorate again and again i do find you know i think of myself as in, as a dindrenzi player or as a relthosa player but more often than not i find myself fielding directorate ships 
Because you're evil. You're the evil mastermind. <laughs> and, you know, Dintrenzi are very straightforward in, in a lot of ways. Directorate really aren't. You know, Directorate have a lot of tricks in the same way they do with, with Firestorm. They've got cyber, they're masters of the air, they've got these heavy crawlers which are quite lumbering but have quite a nasty fire output. Their medium tanks are quite dangerous, their tank destroyers are quite evil. There's just a lot of different stuff. I think there's... Almost more than the other Zuni races, there's there's a lot of different ways you can play Directorate, which is yeah. kind of true to form to, to, to Amada as well. Yeah. I've probably played against the Directorate more than any other race in, in Planetfall, because we have a lot of Directorate players. <laughs> they, they do like to be the <laughs> evil mastermind. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're pretty interesting Directorate. Oh, they've got cloaked units, they've got really powerful cloaked aerial units. Not so much in the way of drop or artillery at the moment. Obviously, we don't know what else is coming out. But they have stuff like uh, the cyber. Cyber is really interesting. And they've got little, little drone flyers. I think that's what they are, clicked. And they, they yeah. make you hit. You, you can move full speed and still hit on a, a three, for example, which is very, very powerful. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I, I do like direct. They've got some lovely models. I think some of the best-looking models in the whole of the in the whole of the game. Really, really nice. The heavy infantry are kind of like a hybrid between Star Wars robots <laughs> and uh, Terminators. Uh, yeah. they've got <laughs> they've got these little spinny killer cutting disc uh, sweeper team robots. They've <laughs> <laughs> it is Very kind of a, <laughs> a blend of Cylon, Robocop and uh, Star Wars <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of all in one. So no they do have uh, some really nice models, as you said. I mean, all the factions do. But yeah, I think the Directorate do have not necessarily more tricks up their sleeve, but they, I think they are a force that you can build in lots of different ways. It's the variety that they have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. especially with the flying Leviathan, <laughs> which is a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, which reminds me, of course, a lot of the weapons that the Directorate have are Terracors. <laughs> so... Yeah. Extensive use of, you know, plasma flamethrowers and the kinds of things that, you know, nobody wants to be sort of half burnt and half eaten alive in their suit. So, yeah, you know, typical directorate, really. You can tell that he loves it. (laughs) He's just got that manic, (laughs) manic (laughs) grinning. (laughs) He is. No, not at all. I'm very somber. Well, in his (laughs) moustache. Goatee. It's the goatee. (laughs) So... That brings us finally to the Relthosa. Stab. Now. That's what they're doing. <laughs> yes. Now, the Relthosa are potent, I would say. And the Relthosa, yes. I think, more than <laughs> any other force in. I think it's quite difficult to represent what the Relthosa are in Firestorm Armada on a ground combat game. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and I think the Spartan team haven't tried to do that. They've taken a slightly different approach, which again makes them feel like Rothosa without playing the same way that they do in space. Yeah. So they still have cloaks. Obviously, cloaks work differently. Mm. Um, so they're not able to do the sort of like, well, we come up to you and you've got no chance of hitting us at all, uh, and then we unleash mm. our attacks. But they do employ a lot of skydrop assets. There's a lot of drones. They can employ these vast swarms of self-repairing Infantry, which you found to your oh, I just I just got surrounded and butchered by loads of drones. Uh, I mean, last time we played, well, last time I played um, Belthosa with you, I think I had two groups of eight infantry, didn't I? And after going through a lot of your units and taking a whole load of damage, 
I still had two units of eight infantry. <laughs> I think you increased their value by the <laughs> because although they were destroyed, I managed to self repair a lot of them. So yeah, they ended up yeah. not coming back. <laughs> so it's uh, I don't know. Have you played Rolthoser much, Dan, or played against them? We have one really, really hardcore Rolthoser player, and can't remember the last time he lost. Yeah, but he is playing me next week, so I'm definitely going to make sure he does lose. Uh, sorry Chris hello Chris uh, <laughs> they are very 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 powerful at the moment yeah. and are quite controversial on the forum <laughs> probably because of that <laughs> not just because of that <laughs> but uh, they're interesting They've in the last couple of Orbats a lot of their units got recon or an optional purchase which I think is really nice. It makes them feel more like predators. Like they they have the extra maneuverability at the start of the game to pick their prey, if that makes sense. Yeah. Which is really cool. Really, really nice. I think that's actually a really nice way to describe them. I think the way that they play is very much like some of the background of the Rothos that they are hunters. They are natural hunters. Yes. And yeah. you do feel like you're being stalked. <laughs> yeah, when you're you playing against them, yeah, and I think that's the the best way to play Rothosa, and I think the most rewarding thing is when you do play them like that, and it does come off, and you kind of you've got your prey into this trap, and then you just devour them. <laughs> yeah, they they own the board from the second you deploy. You've just got to play defensively, and that's one thing that I failed to do. I was <laughs> like, you know what, I'm just going to attack you, and so. And I'm in the trap. <laughs> yeah, and actually playing, you know, Cerulean's playing against them. I think one of the first times I played Ralthosa, I suffered badly. You were to getting start destroyed. With. I mean, my mediums were just getting taken out by your long range fire. And then um, you discovered CQB. But then I got into range, and uh, I mean, I thought I'd lost the game. And I thought I'd it won. Completely turned around <laughs> because they are very, very dangerous. You can't let them get close. No. They're quite unusual to the other races uh, because their medium squadrons are obviously only two units strong instead of three, which is quite big. And their DR levels are backwards. So, yeah. for example, they get harder as they take more damage, which is really frustrating. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's kind of that thing where, you know, you mentioned Terran tanks before. Usually their DR levels are the same for first yes. and second. So. so, you know, if I can get double this score, then I've destroyed one of these, these tanks. Yeah. If their pesky shields don't get in the way. Whereas the Rolthosa, you know, you you've got one to your level. To get the next one, you've got to get not double that, but double that and more. <laughs> and that is difficult to do. Really difficult to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they do have that, you know, feeling that you feel like you're getting somewhere, and then you just flounder, <laughs> and then they eat you. <laughs> yeah, my poor, poor Cerulean's. <laughs> <laughs> or lunch, as we like to call them. Okay, so we mentioned there about squadron sizes, so perhaps we should talk a little bit about how we build forces in Planet 4, because that's, again, slightly different from, from some of the games that people will know. So we've got the, the helix structure. So, Dan, perhaps you could talk us through the, the helix structure, how that works. The helix structure is it's a massive change for most people, really, really big change, to be honest. But the helix structure, if you can imagine, like, a, if you imagine a flower with six petals, basically you've got the core helix in the middle, uh, which you have to take, it's mandatory. And then around the outside of that, you can pick different specialist helixes. So, for example, you can have a heavy helix, which specializes in tank destroyers, really heavy support tanks, that kind of thing. 
Leviathan Helix, which is obviously the Leviathans, Field Support, Assault Helix. It gives the player a lot of flexibility whilst keeping it quite balanced. It's There's no min-maxing uh, like in other games. <laughs> Yeah, and then the other part of that which I quite like is if you want to take... So you're going to take a, a Core Helix and a Leviathan. And I think, well, actually, I'm going to take two Leviathans. You're just painting yep. your second one there. That's great, but that means that now it's almost like a little slider. You've got a, like a three-across slider with the Core yep. Helix at the center. And if you take two, you've got to slide it across. Now you can't take anything of the, the little petal as your little your lovely flower analogy, Dan. <laughs> um, you know, you've picked the petal off the other side now, so you can't take any of that. So yeah. yes, you've got two Leviathans. So now you've just eradicated any possibility of you getting that heavy support helix. Now it's great to have two Leviathans, but now you can't have any heavy tanks or tank destroyers. And those are powerful units themselves. So whilst it does allow that, you know, specialization, it doesn't mean that you can bring all the big toys to the the game you can't take two leviathans and two sets of heavy tanks and tank destroyers there is only one way to do that you have to agree with your opponent first but you can use two battle groups yeah it's not the basic way to play though you you, you do need your opponent's permission because it is quite a, a powerful aspect of building a list and of course you're giving them the option to do that as well <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> But uh, it is quite a fearsome sight seeing two Leviathans and then two Heavy Helixes. I can uh, imagine. Which one of our players does do, Ian. <laughs> if he's listening. <laughs> no doubt he'll be here, we'll be listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, yeah, so the, the Helix structure is quite quite a nice way of, of, as you say, giving a lot of flexibility, but still achieving a, a measure of balance. You know, as we all know, you can never get a 100% balanced game unless both sides have exactly the same force and you might as yeah. well play chess yeah. you know which is you know chess has been a, an enjoyable game for hundreds of years you know i play chess you play chess oscar but most of the time we prefer to be able to personalize things a bit more yeah exactly and this is a good way of doing it i think so in terms then of the tactical depth of planet 4 how how do we feel about that it's i think the basic rules are sim- very simplistic to keep it quite free flowing I think the tactical depth comes from a big part is the alternating activations. That's a big part of the tactical depth, knowing who to activate, trying to bait your opponent into activating a certain uh, unit, and obviously going for the points, trying to work out what points are left and what you can kill in in a turn (laughs) to try and achieve on it for that. I found found myself doing that quite a lot. As far as individual units, they're not filled with special rules, which a lot of people think adds to a tactical element of a unit, for example. So, yeah, (laughs) I think it is quite deep, but it's not an obvious depth. It's mm-hmm. it, it takes some getting into. I think with everything, it comes from experience as well. Like we yeah. were talking about Firestorm the other day. I mean, the more you play it, the more you learn the hidden tricks of all of the the races, and the more you can do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think the tactical depth of Planet Four for me has yet to be untapped. I think it's, uh, and we're talking about a game now which is a year old. Right? It was mm. released pretty much exactly a year ago, right? Yeah. So, you know, we've we've had a lot of releases in that time. We've had a lot of changes to the Orbats, to the, the army lists. And I think that has almost overshadowed, I think, the development of the, the, the tactical depth available. Yeah. You can't get settled at the moment. 
Yeah. No, which I think actually is a is a really good thing because it's it's a great game at the moment. Without that, I think with the addition of you know more campaigns, more of those kind of tactically nuanced scenarios, that will give you know I think a really good future uh, yeah. for Planet. I, I, I agree, definitely, definitely agree with that. But at the yeah. moment, I think for me, three turns, which is the average length for a platform <laughs> game. For me, I've never found it allows me to develop the tactics that I want. Yes, yeah. Because yeah. stuff just dies too quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is fun in its own right, but if I want, you know, more of the game of chess, if you like, I'll tend to go to other games. If yes. I want to just throw down a load of models uh, under the spectacle of seeing, you know, a four thousand or, or more point game, you know, laid out is fantastic. You've got all of your tanks there. It's a big force you can build, and the models are incredibly impressive. So it's a great thing to just lay them all out there and then blow stuff up. You know, that's, mm. a, that's a great feeling for a game. But yeah, I still think the the potential of Planetfall as a tactical game has yet to be unlocked. I think there's a lot more in there, in there, there to there's, come. There's definitely a lot more. To, yeah, there's definitely a lot more that to come. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, yeah. yeah. So I mentioned that a little bit there. I kind of alluded to it there. What... Do you and what don't you like about Planetfall? So uh, let's go. Let's go for the do's. What's your What's your top three? Top three. <laughs> wow. Top three. I like I like the scale of the game. I like having squadrons of tanks and loads of dudes just fighting it out. I really love the the, the scale of it. Second thing, I love love the models. The models have a big. They play a big part of the game for me. It's just the actual design of the models. There's not many that I don't like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then number three is it is the, the overall gameplay. I, lo- I love the simplicity of the actual core mechanics combined with the alternating activations and trying to out out activate your opponent at the same time. And you have some you have a plan, but it quickly gets changed in part in part. <laughs> so you're always having to think on your on on, on your feet, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> So I was going to say, no plan survives contact with the enemy. No, and in Planet 4, it definitely doesn't. <laughs> How about you, Oscar? What are your top threes? Uh, I think, uh, like Dan said, the models are a big part for me, you know, seeing the, the really beautiful, all of them, basically. The dice is quite a good, big part of it as well. The fact that you are rolling so many dice feels good, the way it's like... I just obliterated that tank. It is basically dust now, uh, kind of feeling. He's got a mean streak, hasn't he? I know, it takes after his dad. <laughs> Says Mr. Directorate. The other thing that I like, the contrast between Firestorm, because uh, they link very nicely, and having the uh, one like strategic, very strategic game, and having the other sort of quick, bloody battle one is also very nice, because uh, you can link them completely, it's nice to have the contrast. What about yourself? I think for me, I think, yeah, number one is the models for me. I think the way they look, the way they paint up. I think people have said it before, they almost paint themselves, you know. Yes, yes. You can base paint, wash and dry brush a planetfall model and it looks great. You know, yeah. <laughs> if you spend some time as well, do some details and things, they look fantastic. You know, they don't require you to be a golden demon painter to make them look really, really nice. And I really like that. Uh, so the scope of the designs, I think they've done a cracking job on 90, 95% of the models. There's always going to be 
five or ten percent that individual players don't like, you know. But that's just in terms of how they look, how they imagine it, or, or whatever. But yeah, the models are fantastic, and and you, know, you get a lot. These are not small models. I think I've mentioned before on the blog about my disappointment with Drop Zone Commander. Just the scale of the models, how they looked, really wasn't what I was expecting from seeing them online. With the little infantry models with their spaghetti legs. Yeah, the infantry especially, yeah. The infantry in Planetfall are fantastic. For terminometer figures, I don't think there's anything out there on the market that compares. So the models are a massive one. I think you're right, Oscar, the sort of pace of the game. It's fun watching stuff die quickly in big explosions. It's fun to just drop a Leviathan in the middle of a battlefield Mm. and watch it just dish out huge amounts of death and then get obliterated in a huge explosion itself. You know, that whole sweeping vista of getting all the models out there, seeing these big armies ranked up against each other. It's like you said, Dan, it's, it's the scale and the scope of the game. And the third thing is... I think, again, you know, it's that realisation of the space game on the ground. You know, it's being able to see the tie-in between those two. I know that these guys at Dindrenzi, the guys have been blowing people up with rail cannons in space, they're now on your planet uh, messing your life up. That kind of tie-in really works for me. It adds so much to the whole background and, and the feel of the game as a whole. Yeah. Some of the most enjoyable games I've had recently was playing the invasion games and then playing the ground games with this part of a campaign. Yeah. It's so good. You, you put a little backstory to it, you get really involved. And I think that's the essence of gaming. You, ju- you just get really involved in, in the whole aspect, the whole picture. Uh, really good. Yeah, and I think we're starting to see that more from Spartan is that sort of narrative side of the game. Because I'm very much the same, I think you are as well, Oscar, in terms of we've always built always. a narrative for our games. Even when we played 40k, you know, we used mm. to I used to write little pre-stories, didn't I? Yeah, like a what's happening here kind of thing. Yeah, and then we play the game and you build up this narrative. And I think being able to tie those games together, you know, being able to invade a planet or be forced off a planet in Planetfall and have to escape, you know, it adds to that suspension of disbelief, it adds to the, the narrative, the little pictures in your head, yeah. <laughs> um, of the guys being blown up, and, you know, you can rewind all these things in your mind, like in Star Wars or that kind of thing, you know, the little film, some consensus there. Now, let's do the negatives. And you're only allowed two negatives. So so we keep an overall positive. What don't we like about Planetfall? Or what, where do we think the scope for improvement is? Well, I have a... Ooh, well, well, you, go, you go down. Oh, don't know start at once. <laughs> <laughs> go on, Oscar, you go first. Well, I've got a couple of bones to pick. Um, the, not to say the game isn't good. That's, that's one thing I don't want to happen. But I think... There's one thing that Spartan have uh, done a little bit wrong in the model designing. Uh, that's the not keeping with the backstories of the, each of the races sometimes and how uh, everyone works. I'm not going to say any particular race. Um, for example, the Rathosa, put it out there. <laughs> but uh, I think everyone was a little bit shocked when uh, we saw the dragonfly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was. That was a very Marmite model. Yeah, there's been some controversy over some of the designs. I think we can uh, summarise it in that. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't pinpointing anything by by that. But uh, I think the other thing is that the speed of the, of the game, it can be good, but, I mean, three turns is nice, but I feel like sometimes you can't get into the feel of the game 
the fact you have to have lots of models to make a game last. Yeah, okay. Other than that, it's a perfect game. Dan, what's your areas for improvement? My biggest, the biggest one is probably the lack of scenarios at the moment. The rule book only came with one, which to start with, I championed quite a lot. But the more you play the game, the more you realise that you would like a different kind of mission. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've done my own missions. Uh, we've played missions that I've done, but it's not always the same. It doesn't always have that official feel to them, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's yeah. like the main, that's the, that's a big one for me. Uh, the second one, I don't know if this is more of a Spartan thing as whole, but the 3D renders never do the models justice, ever. <laughs> No, true. I find it more obvious. It's more apparent with Planet Four than it is with Firestorm. I think when you see a Firestorm ship as a render, you can kind of go, "Yeah, that looks cool." Some of the Planet Four stuff, when you see them as a render, it's kind of like, uh... and then when you get them in the flesh, you're like, "Oh my god, it's amazing! Why did it look like this in the picture?" Yeah, no, I, I think that's very true. Most people are very visual, mm-hmm. and. I think one of the things uh, Games Workshop actually does quite well is, you know, the 360 uh, rotational views that they do. Obviously, they've got massive results because they're the Empire of Evil. Nobody likes them. (laughs) But other than that... (laughs) I'm neutral on that point. (laughs) I've been uh, been marked somewhere on some GW monitoring site. Um, Directorate style. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I think I'm with you. When I first saw it was the uh, Cadorians, the Cadorian models. Mm. I looked at them and I thought, nah, they're floating cities. These these models do nothing for me. And actually, they were one of the first fleets I saw painted at, at Spartan HQ. And I went, and I was like, oh my god, these things are amazing. The- they are just so massive. Yeah. You really don't get the scale. Yeah, you don't. Uh, the presence of the models is massively different from those renders. Yeah. So I agree there. But me and you did obviously salute this year if I had to go away ill when I was very ill. <laughs> you look grim that day. I, I was pretty, yeah, I was pretty fun. The biggest, one of the biggest, most common comments that day was how awesome the Leviathans looked in the flesh and because they got a better sense of scale because in the pictures there was no sense of scale. So the guys did say, 50 pounds, oh wow, that's tiny. Why am I going to pay 50 pounds for that? They saw them at salute and was like, holy Wow, that's amazing. That's that's huge. <laughs> that's yeah, a yeah. big piece of resin. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, for me, I think two points I would say are: I think there's a great deal more scope for Spartan to tie the two together. Yeah. Sometimes they don't feel like they're in the same universe, and I think I think it's apparent in some of the community threads. You know, the direction that the Planet Four races take sometimes. And the direction that the firestorm races take sometimes don't seem to necessarily match up that well. Yeah. And I think Spartan could, again, I don't want to be critical. You know, I think everybody who plays either one of these, you have a great emotional investment in this and you get attached to these things. And of course you want this cohesive universe. And I think so that could be improved on. And I think, you know, for me, the other thing is what you said, Oscar. I like to see, and I think this is addressed by what you're saying as well, Dan. The length of the game and the tactical depth, I think, if you've got scenarios, w- would bring that out. I know there's been a bit of work done uh, with TV values 
uh, which probably won't mean much to a lot of people if you haven't heard too much about Planet 4 <laughs> before, but everything has a tactical value. So when it's destroyed, a certain amount of points that yes. come yeah. off to your zero tracker gets you closer to winning the game. And to start with, I could tr- destroy two or three things of your starter set and basically almost win. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas adjusting the TVs has made that more difficult so that you don't just ignore the tactical nuances by, you know, ignoring the objectives, just killing stuff it's... and you've won. And I think more of that work, you know, getting through scenarios which require specific objectives and high yeah. points for those, will develop that. Both the tactical tie-ins and the, the length of the game because you're working towards specific yeah. objectives rather than just being a kill fest. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I did a couple of missions just so me and the guys could play through them at the shop. I did one, I mean, I've I played a lot of RTS games. That's what I grew up on on, on, on the PC. So like Command and Conquer, Tiberians, and that kind of thing. And I did a mission where there were like four relays, and I just used the little, you know, the small buildings from from Planet Four, from the uh, what you get from yeah. the sets. And each one of those had a damage level and a couple of shields. And I, my, the, the the opposition, the opposition had to take each one of those out and then capture a central objective. So we got rid of the zero hour tracker. And it only downsided. It did go on for like about, I think it was five turns or six turns, but the time of the game did go. It, it was like a four-hour yeah. game. It, it did increase the time a lot, but we loved it. It was really good fun. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's that's a really good point actually. And I think there's been some work done uh, by Spartan in the past what six months or so, three months. You know, addressing things like TV values, which probably won't mean much to to a lot of people if you've not heard about Planet Four before. Uh, but this is the tactical value. Uh, that's associated with various elements and as you destroy them these come off your zero hour tracker uh, it makes it easier for you to win when you get to zero that's that's when you achieve planetfall and by reducing some of those they've addressed some of that but we're still finding games you know ending at that sort of turn three turn four area and so i still think there's work to do in in that you know perhaps getting into the, the specific scenarios where you achieve tactical value points by achieving objectives rather than destroying things uh, asymmetric scenarios where you know one force has more points but has to do specific things the other person defending what, whatever those things are but i don't see that necessarily as a bad thing because that's you know plenty of scope for the game to grow into uh, i don't think we're going to get to a you know to a stage where in a couple of months you kind of run out of options for planet four and it's dead you know? mm. uh, there's still a lot to, to come <clears throat> but actually my main issue what happened? We two know, two, two points, Dad. You're I on might, like four. I might actually. <laughs> what do you mean four? <laughs> I might have to withdraw and edit one of my other ones. The one thing that that gets me at the moment about Planet Four is the the frequency of orbit changes, and I know it's kind of necessary because Spartan are bringing out a lot of models, which is a nice segue into the last little bit. But each time we get some new models, we also get uh, revisions of the orbits, and quite often that changes some of the existing units and. I kind of want that to, to stabilise. So we've held off playing for Planetfall for a little while now, and that's the main reason, because the way that Nick's play has changed over the past six months, and mm. I don't want to have to come back and revisit a list I've written and have it play a different way because the orbits have changed. I, I want to do revisit a list and make it play differently because I've designed it that way. Yeah. So we're kind of just waiting for that to, to stabilise for a little bit. It's definitely stabilised a lot more in the last couple of updates. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the same. I'm, I'm 50-50. It's, it would be nice to get some nice 
solid balance between between the units. At the same time, it's it's also nice that it's not left for two years and then there's updated. <laughs> so it's it's kind yeah. of like a, it's good and it's bad. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of. I, mean, I know Spartan have said it's this living rulebook uh, concept, which I think is great. I think it's a really good idea. You know, we've seen it to a lesser extent with with Firestorm Armada, where you know Arata are published. They listen to what the community is saying. You know, they've they've tweaked some of the units which people have said. You know, these don't work. We're not taking them, like the Directorate Battleship. You know, which dropped in in points value. But with Planetfall, I almost feel that it's living a bit like the thing. <laughs> you know, that's it, a, it, that's it's, it. it's evolving so quickly. I can't actually get to grips with what is it now. <laughs> and, and that's I'm, I'm exaggerating, obviously. Um, but that has kind of prevented us from playing a few games which you know i really want to play more planetfall i don't want to have to print out a whole set of orbats and you know i must have gone through about three three <laughs> sets of ink cartridges just printing things out uh, that's partially our fault because we own everything yeah, <laughs> All races, so, you know, probably wouldn't be so much of a problem if we only had one race each but you know <laughs> what's the point if you've only got one race it's it could be quite controversial, but it's almost like it's almost like oh, without sounding really bad because I love Spartan, my, my favourite games company. It felt rushed in, in, a, in a sense. I actually understand that. Yeah, if that makes sense. Without it's not it's not a, giving them a hard time, but it did feel a little bit rushed, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but I think no, I think I can see where you're coming from because we've had a lot of changes, and, and we we're talking about a game which is a year old and. Yeah. I feel that if they released the game now, as it is, with all the stuff, everybody would be like, oh my god, this is absolutely amazing. Yes. And releasing it a year ago, I understand why that was done, and I think yes. it was the right thing to do. But it does give people that opportunity to say, well, this isn't right, that isn't right, why is this changed, why is that changed? Yeah. But yeah. people forget they've had a year's worth of models to play with and a year's worth of gaming experience that they wouldn't have had otherwise. And, you know, where would they be now? Would they be playing... Games Workshop would they be would they've got off gaming altogether? Who knows? Yeah. It's kind of an unknown unknown entity, isn't it? And I must say, it's like in the last year, some of the games that I've had in Planetfall have been some of the best gaming times I've had. Like as well as Firestorm, the, it's it's the, the very cinematic systems and, and, and rewarding systems where you you feel rewarded for winning instead of you're not just exploiting a special rule for example or a special formation you're yeah. it's so despite its flaws it's I still enjoy it a, a, a lot of you know what i mean it's yeah and I would actually pick up on that uh, as a really good point too. I think, and this goes back, and I think Dan and Oski will both know what I'm talking about here. So Reading Warfare is coming up in a couple of weeks. Last year, we were all there. We loved it. We were in, uh, we were in squash courts next to the 40K tournament. Uh, now, we laugh at them. <laughs> now, the, the 40K tournament, and this is a really good point about Planetfall, I feel. The 40K tournament, we went in there, and, I mean, to a table... I don't think there was one that wasn't basically, oh, here are the biggest models you can buy from Games Workshop. I've got two of those and the minimum possible requirement. I've got a Farseer, like a squadron of um, Dire Avengers and two bloody great Titans. Yeah. <laughs> What's and, and the Space knight. Marine player got? Oh, two Knights and, you know, <laughs> uh, a minimum size squadron of, of Space Marines. You know, it was just this, it was carbon copy, wasn't it, across mm. the armies? And it's like, how much fun was that? Apart from the fact oh, one game... Been- well, one game had to be abandoned because they couldn't decide on the rules. 
Um, you know, that's not the sort of gaming experience I want. I want games to be fun. That's one thing as well. It's like the difference between the communities. Like the Spartan community yeah. is really nice. Everyone on the forums are great. We get along. There's room for improvement as always, but it's not taken harshly at all. Whereas, like, you go to 40k and you're basically just. It's you toxic. Know, yes. Yeah. yeah. Attacking yeah. rabid yeah. dogs. Yeah, and I think, you know, we've all said. What are things we don't like about Planetfall? Now, those are all things that we want to improve in the game, and we do it with the spirit of, you know, almost like I used to be a school governor, and one of the things was you're supposed to be play the role of a critical friend because you care about this and you want it to be better. And I think yeah. that's the kind of yeah, spirit. Yeah, definitely, that's... definitely. I don't want to see this, like, die, if you know what I mean. It's not going to, but, like, uh, it's I don't not want win it to at all costs, a one-trick pony kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, like that, it's good that we've got that much passion, I think, and yeah. you know to keep to keep it going like that. I think sometimes yeah. that passion can be can come across as maybe too harsh or insanity, too defensive. Or... <laughs> <laughs> but we mean it in good faith. <laughs> yeah, and you know the uh, those those forty k games that were being played at at Reading Warfare. I think that symbolises all that can go wrong with the game system. With Planetfall, yes. if you had two, going back to Dan's Hyperions here, if we had two Leviathans on the table, that is not an auto win. You know, in oh, Planetfall, no. you cannot guarantee. I've <laughs> yeah. seen Titans taken down by Nick's infantry. Yeah. I will claim credit there. Um, <laughs> you know, every unit on the board is dangerous to every unit on the board. There is nothing that you can say. There is no chance that little unit there does not have a chance of taking out that. It does. Yes, it does. You know, the weapons in Planetfall are lethal, so there is no unit you can take which you say, you've got to have this. This is an auto-include, yeah. and there's no point in taking X, Y, and Z because they'll just never ever get anywhere. I think that, I think that flows into Firestorm as well. One of the biggest things that my community says, it always feels like you've got a chance. You've yeah. always got a chance, no matter what. It, it might be a slim chance, but it's better than pretty much no chance. <laughs> yeah. What is it I always say to you in Firestorm, Oscar? There is no point never shooting. Always yeah. take the yeah. shot. <laughs> I mean, a good story is uh, me and my friend, well, one of the customers, Michael, uh, was playing Dindrenzi against his Aquins, and I had my Praetorian in a really good position. He shunted, or did he shunt, or did he flank? Uh, basically, a, a, a frigate squadron. And Aquin frigates aren't aren't the best, but he had two of them and managed to crit a Praetorian. <laughs> <laughs> it was like I, I was kind of just stood there in disbelief. <laughs> That's a um, horrible story, Dan. Why did you tell us that? But it's moments Beautiful. like that what I love, even even <laughs> even on the receiving side of it. Yeah. Like, well, those, those frigates maybe like they had some Top Gun pilots crew who managed to exploit the weak spot in the armor. They got a shot into the engines. Maybe it brings to life the game a little bit more. But the exhaust ports on a Dintrenzi Praetorian are no bigger than a Womp Rat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is that, isn't it? It's the shot on the uh, on the Death Star, the one in a million shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, yeah, I think all Spartan games do have that very cinematic feel. They they manage to convey that that feeling of the the dramatic uh, yeah. and the theatrical. It's from from the shop perspective, from the community perspective, quite hard. So, some people just do not get it though. It's quite interesting to see. They almost call it too random, even though it's not. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, screw them. We'll edit that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're missing out. They don't want they people are. like that. Nah, no, nah. Only joking. <laughs> okay, that's great. Thanks, Dan. I think that's conveyed a really good sense of what Planetfall is and actually 
probably a little bit more about what what the Spartan kind of set of games is like as well. And how much we dislike 40k. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that will strike a chord with many many listeners. (laughs) Anyway, I'd like to thank Dan for his time. So signing off from the Hub Systems, it's Alex. And Oscar. And Dan. (laughs) See you next time. Thank you.